0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Bible with the Barbers. Amen. (laughs) Are we are we here on, this is what, the third week of Lent? This is the second week Second of Lent. week of Lent. It's going by fast. It is going by fast. Mary, last week we did the Our Father with Father William and also Bishop Fulton Sheen Reflections of the Petition. So those who didn't hear it, they can go to the podcast and hear it at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. But I believe we're on Thy Kingdom Come, which is the third word. You want to cover, I mean, th- this is something that we're going to be covering today on the Our Father again, because it's so beautiful. That's right. The,
2: the, the Our Father. We're doing the Our Father in slow motion for the
1: next <laughs> Slow motion. So, well, Very
2: slow. A, a petition a week for the next few weeks. You know, the yeah. Our Father starts out Father hallowed be thy name. And then we talked about that last week. What does that mean? And of course, there's much more to it. I mean, books have been written on this. So it's not, yeah. ex- we haven't exhausted it. But we, so but we'll we're, continue. We're but gonna we're going to do, do our, the gospel first. Yeah, we'll do our gospel reading for today. Yes. And Master today is to the Tuesday of the second week of Lent. It is the 10th of March. Um, and happy birthday to all those who have birthdays today. <laughs> ah, that's cute. <laughs> and I remember that because my, I have a sister-in-law who has a birthday today. Good so, for her. Happy birthday, Kathy. And um, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 23 verses 1 through 12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, "The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seats on the chair of Moses. Therefore do not, excuse me, therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry. And lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. Ooh. They widen their phylacteries, lengthen their tassels. They love the places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be the servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be
1: exalted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be be to God. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
2: (laughs) So what we have here is um, Jesus is telling the crowds. He's warning them about the scribes and Pharisees. Why would he warn them about the scribes and Pharisees? Well, what did he say? They, they like to, to bind up heavy burdens that are hard for people to bury, bury, carry. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't lift a finger to carry them themselves. Right. They, they preach good. They, they preach the truth. They, you know, they preach the word of God, but they're not living it, yeah, is what listening. Jesus is saying. And this is what he's, he's talking about to his apostles and to, to us as Christians. It's not enough just to preach the word of God. We have to live it. It has to
1: go to the my, heart. My line is talk is cheap. The supply exceeds the demand. There's no demand for that. The, The demand is actions more than words because anybody can say anything, but doing it is another thing.
2: Right. And Jesus preached. He preached the gospel. So we don't have to invent a new gospel. We just preach the gospel Jesus preached. But we need to live the gospel according to the way Jesus lived it too. Amen. And so it's not about getting attention for ourselves. It's not about having places of honor. It's not about having the first place. It's not about being respected and being looked up to. It's about living the truth in love. There you go. Say it again. Living the truth in love. That's it. Beautiful. Living the truth in love. And so we're not supposed to be trying to get other people's attention. And we're also not supposed to be putting heavy burdens on other people. We're supposed to live the truth ourselves. And somewhere else in the gospel, Jesus will say, you know, here you are trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye, and the whole time there's a plank in your own. Get the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck in your brother's eye. Oftentimes as Christians we go around and we have this idea that, well, you know, because I don't do drugs or because I go to church every Sunday or because I grew up in a family that uh, wasn't, you know, there, there isn't divorce and there isn't um, a lot of dysfunction that I can look down on other people or because I have a certain financial status I can look down on other people. That's not the gospel Jesus Christ preached. In Christ, we are all brothers and sisters. And if I have more than I need of this world's goods, they weren't given to me for me to use for myself. They were given for me to help those who have less than I do. Yeah, we are supposed to help the poor. And we are, you know, this isn't something that's supposed to be imposed on us, it's not socialism. That you know, in the, in the Christian community, in the beginning, when you know, when they when they people came and laid their goods at the feet of the apostles to be distributed, so that everybody in the community had a sufficiency, that wasn't imposed; it was voluntary. That when you fall in love with God, the things of this world begin to fail to attract you, and so you're willing to give them up. You lose your attachment to them, including your own good name, including your own ideas, including imposing yourself on others. And it's funny, you know. Sometimes when we we're trying to live the will of God in our lives, and we're trying to help other people or encourage other people to do so, the other people are—they're always telling us, "Well, you always want to do things your way. You're always wanting us to do everything your way, your way, your way, your way." Mm -hmm. They're like, "No, I don't want anybody to do things my way. My way is, hey, if the world was lived according to my way, according to the the sinner Danielle Mary Danielle Barber, I'm sorry, it would be a horrible place. It would not be a fun place to be. There would be no joy. There would be no happiness." There would be no kindness, you know, it's it just, no. I want to do the will of God, Amen. and I want to see everybody else come to the point where they do the will of God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not about getting attention or calling people rabbi, or, and he's not saying that we can't call people father. Mm-hmm. You know, St. Paul referred to himself as a father to the people that he preached the gospel to. And, and um, in a couple of places in his letters, and he doesn't. Not just that he refers to other to someone else as his child, he refers to himself as a father. So, but this, it's a kind of hyperbole. And this was a rabbis. The rabbis use this the hyperbole. Where, but the point is, remember that all fatherhood in heaven and on earth takes its name from the Father in heaven, Father in heaven. And we talked about that last night, last week. The first petition of the Our Father, Father in heaven. What does this mean? We have a Father who is in heaven, and and so our Father. And he's a father who keeps his promises and he takes care of us and he watches over us. So yeah, even though our human parents may fail us and the people around us may fail us, we can trust our father in heaven and all fatherhood takes its name from that. And so, yeah, it's okay to call your priest father, just like it's okay to call your dad father, mm-hmm. you know, honor your father and your mother, God said in the, in the fourth commandment. So is he violating his own law? Call no one on earth your father, honor your father and mother. And he's talking about your earthly parents. Mm-hmm. So, um, but at the end, he says what? He said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. At one point in the gospel, when the apostles had been discussing who was the most important,
1: <laughs>
2: Jesus takes a little child in their midst. and
1: mm-hmm.
2: He takes the child in his arms and he says, whoever becomes humble like this child will enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does not receive the kingdom the way this child does, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven children who have not been spoiled know that they depend on someone else but they know it with a certain gratitude and a certain trust a degree of trust and gratitude that is just amazing you know it's like it's like if, if you put a little kid up on a table and you tell him jump into my arms he'll do it mm-hmm. he trusts you of course now you can break his trust and there are people who will do that mm-hmm. and it's brutal but there are people who do that but a child who hasn't been spoiled has this this trust and this, and this humility that, yes, I depend on someone else and I know they're going to take care of me because I can't do these things. For, and they can't reason even to the point that I can't do all this for myself. It's just that there's this innate sense that, and you know what, that I can't do it for myself. And the reality is, is we're all called to union with God. Mm. I can't create union with God within myself. That's a grace God has to give me. And that union of, with God is supposed to lead to union with my brothers and sisters. And, and I'm supposed to love them the way God has loved me. That is before they love me. So yeah, somebody hates you. Yes, you're supposed to love them. Somebody's angry with you. You're supposed to forgive them. You're supposed to pray for their conversion and their healing. Maybe there are a lot of wounds in their life that are, are, are driving them away from God and away from others, isolating them from the world and themselves. Pray for them. Be humble. Humble ourselves before the Lord. Know that everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything that is good is his gift to us. And we depend on him for everything. We can't make ourselves saints. We can't give ourselves grace. We can't even give ourselves lives, people. God gives life. Only right. God can give life.
1: Mary, when we come back from the break and we talk about the Our Father and you know, Woman, behold thy son, John nineteen twenty six. This will be a good opportunity for Lent to think about this because we're going to be Going, coming into the week that changed the world, coming up. and But I want to recommend to people something very special. I hope you and I will be there. It's going to be your normal Bible study time on March 17th. We're going to replace that for a production on Divine Mercy, St. Luke's Production Presents. And there's tickets available for our listeners if you just call 877-526-2151 or go to vmpr.org under events you can register there and another one mary daniel talk about woundedness yeah. we have a catholic mental health conference coming up with dr lewis sandoval i know that there are people that have issues with sleep problems uh all kinds of depression attention drug addiction alcoholism this is a conference that is going to be talking about mental illness and uh this doctor is fantastic. He was at our Spiritual Warfare Conference. If you have bipolar disorders, all kinds of interesting things that he's going to give you, he'll give you methods to help coping with mental illness. And I want to encourage you, if you have friends or relatives, to call 877-526-2151 to register or go to vmpr.org and go under events because you can register for any of these events online or call 877 877- 526-2151 And there's just many other events That are coming up on Virgin Most Powerful's Website that I want you to encourage Your friends to come Mary when we come back what are we going to cover We're going to talk about Thy kingdom come I love it Thy kingdom come Thy will be done Here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio The Bible with the Barbers Don't turn that down we'll be right back Stay with us
0: Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. According to St. John Paul II, being a Christian means saying yes to Jesus Christ. It consists in surrendering to the word of God and relying on it, but also endeavoring to know better and better the profound meaning of this word. May God grant that we always rely on His word, read it often, and put it into practice.
1: Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877 762 8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
2: Oh, well, welcome to Bible with the Barbers, and we're doing for the next few weeks the, the Our Father in Slow Motion. <laughs> we want to take a look at this beautiful prayer. Jesus, when his apostles ask him how to pray, this is the prayer he taught them. It's the model for all prayer. When we're going to pray, these are the things we should be praying for first. So last week we talked about Father in heaven, hallowed be thy
1: name, hallowing God's name. And now this week we want to talk about Thy Kingdom Come. Can I interrupt you for a minute because it made me think of something. Friday I did an interview with a a movie star, people that are doing a play on the passion of Christ. And I'm going to play it tomorrow on the Terry and Jesse show where the actor praised the Our Father in ancient Aramaic language. Oh, beautiful. So I just um, made me think when you were talking, I said, I got to get that plug in. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I mean, it's just, it was, he did it with devotion. You could hear it in his voice. Wow, Tomorrow beautiful. on the Terry and Jesse show. Yeah. Please
2: continue my and that's, love. You know, the thing about prayer is prayer is what? A conversation with someone who loves us. Yeah. And this is the, do we understand this? When we go to God in prayer, are we going out of fear? Are we going out of, we going out of uh, well, just give me, give me, give me, yeah. you know, do what I want. Yeah. I demand this, I demand that. Or is it? he loves me and I want to love him back. So father in heaven, thy kingdom come the beauty of God's kingdom. It's the gift of the father. This kingdom is the gift of the father. Where is this kingdom inaugurated? The kingdom is inaugurated definitively in the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate in the Eucharist. The Eucharist, the the holy sacrifice of the mass is the unbloody representation of the entire Paschal mystery of Christ, not just his passion, not just his death on Calvary but the entire paschal
1: mystery beginning with the last supper and ending with his glorification in heaven. Mary, you got me excited. Every time I hear that about the mass, it gets me excited. I found that out when I was 14 years old, Mary, and you know who taught me that? Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Amen. And then I said, I'm going to go to daily mass, but my my duty can allow me to do it. And so far in these 50 years, Thank you, God. It's allowed me to do it. Thank you, God. But I think if people really understood the Mass, yes, you do we'd, yeah. you know, we we wouldn't have actually 80% of the Catholics not believing in the real presence, too. That's sad. Because yeah. they need to be taught. So I was so happy when you said that. Please continue, my yeah.
2: love. So Christ is present. The, the kingdom of God becomes present within us mm-hmm. and in our midst in the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. And you can read about that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2816, well, 2816. Yep so the kingdom is the object of our hope. What are we hoping for? What is our hope based on? The theological vir- virtue of hope is is based on our getting to heaven, our desire for heaven, for God's kingdom to be realized in us and that his kingdom definitively of course is heaven where God is. Mm-hmm. And what does it say in the Psalms? If I forget you Jerusalem. Jerusalem represented the kingdom of God here on earth. If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand be forgotten. May my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I remember you not, if I prize not Jerusalem above all my joys. Do we seek God's kingdom in our life before everything else? Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be seeking his kingdom above everything. Jesus had said, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke twelve thirty-two. So Jesus is inviting us to enter into this kingdom and to receive it from him as a gift. It's a gift from the Father to bring us into life with him. When we're in the kingdom with God, we know God as he is, and we become like him. Come, you blessed of my father, Jesus will say at the last judgment, and inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you mm. from the foundation of the world So this is our hope. And do we esteem this? Do we even give it a thought? You know, we should have such awesome esteem for God's coming, the kingdom of God coming in our midst. And now, it's not gonna be fully realized on earth. Sometimes we get the misimpression that, well, Jesus came, and I actually heard people say this, you know, well, Jesus did all the suffering, why should I have to suffer? (sighs) Jesus didn't come to remove human suffering. The suffering is still gonna be there. He he came to fill the suffering with his presence and give it a new meaning. Do you know that all of our suffering, when it becomes united to Christ, has infinite value? Amen. Value for freeing us from sin. Value for freeing us from our own selfishness and our own will. Value for making us like Christ. And value for our brothers and sisters to help them. Mm -hmm. To help them. And what did Jesus say? Whatever you do for the least of my brothers, you do for me. So if I make a sacrifice for someone else, Jesus accepts that as a gift. So, And this is what helps to build the kingdom. Are we willing to do this? Are we willing to esteem his kingdom? Do we really desire his kingdom more than anything else in the whole world? We should have a great esteem for the kingdom of God. And our Lord compares it to a treasure. Remember, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Or like a pearl of great price. And what did he say about it? The treasure hidden in the field, the man finds it, he goes and sells everything everything he has to buy that field the pearl of great price the man finds it he goes and sells everything he has to buy that pearl are we willing to do this we will will we give up everything of this earth in order to gain god's kingdom you know we have to think about this this is real we should really think about this every day look at saint paul saint paul persecuted the church he said to the point of death to the point of death but once he came to know christ what did he say I consider all things else in comparison mm-hmm. mere dung. Yep. Look at Philippians 3.8. Everything else was dung, you know, but to gain Christ. And this is to gain all I need. To truly gain Christ is to gain all I need. So we, have, we want his kingdom to grow in us and to grow around us. We want the world to be more, <laughs> more like his kingdom. And how can that be? How can that be? Well, spiritually the kingdom of God is present in our midst. And you can look at Luke 17:21, 9, and 11:20. It was planted in us through God's through 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 faith, all right? It the, it, it was planted in us through the word of God and it germinates through faith. So the good news of the kingdom has been preached. We we learned that in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And to as many as received him, he gave the power of becoming the sons of God, those who believe in his name. We read in the first letter of John, or excuse me, in in the prologue to the gospel of John, John chapter one, verse 12. So the kingdom takes its root in us sacramentally through baptism. Mm. So when we're baptized, we become heirs to the kingdom of God. We become members of God's family. We become children of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, temples of the Holy Spirit, heirs to the kingdom of heaven. We become princes and princesses in God's kingdom. We're now part of his family and we have been incorporated into his family. So unless one is born again of water and the Spirit, one cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 5. And so this spiritual reality grows within us. God chose to make known how rich is the glory, how rich in glory is the mystery, which is Christ within you, your hope and your glory. So what is this kingdom? In a sense, Christ is the kingdom. We've been given a share in Jesus Christ through baptism, and even more through the Eucharist mm. and through the sacraments with grace. Look at Colossians one twenty seven for that, that reference there. So we want the kingdom of God to grow within us. And, you know, it's funny. We're all afraid to die, right? Well, in this newsletter from the Opus Angelorum, Father William put in an antidote from St. Anthony of the Desert that, um, that good. Matthias Schaben yep. had described in his The Glories of Grace. And what happens is one day, St. Anthony, who could see his guardian angel, was, was walking down the road with his guardian angel, and he passes a dead body. And Anthony covers his nose. He's, oh, oh that's so gross, you know. But his angel doesn't seem to be disturbed at all. And later on, as they're walking down the road, they pass this really well-dressed young man. And Anthony's kind of impressed by the way the young man is dressed. And he looks at his angel, and now his angel's covering his nose. And Anthony's like, okay, what am I missing? What, what gives here? And the angel says to Anthony that the natural odor of a decaying corpse did not bother him, but the abominable and unbearable stench of a soul in the state of mortal sin Mm. was enough to drive away the whole heavenly court. Wow! St. Basil pertinently says, as smoke drives away bees and a carcass, the doves, so does sin drive away the angels.
1: That's a very powerful statement there. So, very uh, powerful.
2: Right. And So what, what is Father saying here in the letter? <laughs> what, how do we get the kingdom within? Well, we get kingdom within with, with baptism. And what does baptism do? It removes original sin when we're baptized as a baby. If we're baptized as adults, it removes all sin or whatever point in life we're baptized. It removes all sin from our soul. So sin is removed. So now God comes in. So now every time we s- commit a mortal sin, we drive God out of our soul. So we have to, we want the kingdom to stay. So we need to pray to stay in the state of grace so that God's kingdom will abide in us, mm. so that God will abide in us. As long as we're not in the state of mortal sin, God is abiding in us. But it was interesting because this morning at mass, the Monsignor made a point. He said, you know, sin is a funny thing. And you know, a lot of us like to compromise with venial sin. We say, oh, you know, I didn't commit a mortal sin. So what, what difference does it make? And, um, one of the saints was it Teresa of Avila said, when we commit venial sin, it's like saying, look, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of my, my money, my talents, everything in my life. Oh, but you know what? Right here, this, this, this instance right here, I want to choose my own will. (laughs) So it's like, well, you're almost the Lord of everything. Not quite. I still have my will. And every once in a while I did that. And that's a venial sin. I'm choosing my will over God, but I'm not, not in a serious matter. If it's a serious matter and I'm choosing my will, if it's a, if it's a serious moral evil, and I know it's a serious moral evil, and I do it with full knowledge and full consent of my will, then it's a mortal sin, and now I'm driving God out.
1: Well, venial sin leads to mortal sin. It weakens our will. It, and so that's why we the Bible says about being perfect, as my Heavenly Father is perfect, we are striving for perfection.
2: Exactly, exactly. We're striving for perfection because we're striving— to, to be open to receive all the graces God wants to pour out into us. And sin interferes with that. And yeah, no, no amount of venial sin can ever add up no. to any mortal sin, but it does weaken the, the, the will and it, it, and it darkens the intellect. And if we aren't repentant of our venial sins, when we are tempted to mortal sin, we will find it very easy to fall. We need to guard our hearts against sin. We don't want to, to have sin
1: in our life. You know, I want to mention that this newsletter my wife is reading from. Uh, I don't see a website, but it's the opusangelorum.org. dot org. morg
2: dot org. O p u s a n g e l o r u m dot org, and it was the um, circular letters from. This one is from Lent of nineteen ninety nine. I, I just happened to keep that in a file. Yeah, she but, keeps everything. So I still
1: have it. So um, and I, I want get people to know too. that they should go to the website because we get our newsletter. Right, I just happen to have the latest newsletter right here for everybody, and if you want to get that Lenten circular letter for to this year, it's not too late to go. Uh, and uh, I won't even mention that uh, if people uh, know that the Opus Angelorum will be here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in early August mm-hmm. for three days, three nights of talks on the work of the Holy Angels. Right. So I would highly recommend that you connect with that. Later in the show, we're going to actually get some insights from Archbishop Sheen. On the Our Father, also
2: exactly. We have um, so Father talks about this and this this communion with God. We get this foretaste of heaven, and uh, we you know the Scriptures tells us about it. So we want to talk about the foretaste of heaven that we Beautiful. have, and what is the
1: challenge of the kingdom? What is the challenge? Are we up to a challenge? I'm up for a challenge, Mary. Hey, that's you're listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us. We've got more to share on Lord's Prayer, the Our Father.
0: This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoremus Society Adoremus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Karstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, THE SPIRITUALITY OF GOOD FRIDAY, AND THE SPIRITUALITY OF THE PASCHAL VIGIL AND EASTER SEASON. IT ALL TAKES PLACE MARCH 14, 2020, AT THE HISTORIC SACRED HEART CHAPEL AT 381 WEST CENTER STREET, COVINA, CALIFORNIA, 91723. YOU CAN REGISTER ONLINE AT VMPR.ORG OR CALL NOW AT 877-526-2151 TO RESERVE YOUR SEAT TODAY. For Adoramus at the Triduum.
1: This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us. By going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio and when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio and it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year round. And God bless you and your family.
0: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
2: Well, thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back here. And we are talking about the Our Father, Thy Kingdom Come. And we know that the, the kingdom is a gift from God. And in the first letter of John, um, John, the first letter of John, chapter 1, verses 3 and following, we read, What we have seen and heard, we announce to you, in order that you may have fellowship with us, and that you may have fellowship, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that you may rejoice, and our joy may be made full. So we experience um, this longing for God's kingdom, this fire in our soul for the kingdom of God, and we should ardently pray for it. Well, what is the challenge of the kingdom? I promised you we'd talk about. Are we up to a challenge today? Here it comes. We're going to challenge the, the challenge of the kingdom. Is what it demands faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We read in Hebrews eleven six. It also demands virtue and and endurance. Be imitators of those who through patience and faith inherit the promise. We read in Hebrews six twelve. And it demands resolution and labor. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom. You know, some people say, oh, well, it's easy to get to heaven. No problem, you know? Mm. Maybe simple. That is straightforward. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. But it it demands hard work, okay? Jesus himself said it, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of heaven, Mark 10, 24. And and there was something else it demands, suffering. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He Mm. came to fill it with his presence, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of heaven, Acts 14.22 says. And we remember, you know, remember what St. Paul said is, through our sufferings, we fill up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. So not everybody's going to get into heaven. Jesus said that. Not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will get in. And he also said it's easier for the camel to pass through the needle's eye than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, in Luke... The word that Luke uses for the needle eye needle for a needle is a surgeon's needle. Right. So it's not referring to a gate in Jerusalem that was difficult for camels to pass through. He's referring to an absolute impossibility. We can't do it without Christ. Where is that illustrated? Well, remember the young man who comes to Jesus and said, What must I do to be perfect? He was already keeping all the commandments, but he had a lot of possessions. Mm. And Jesus said, Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, and come and follow me. There were three commandments Jesus hadn't mentioned there, by the way. He hadn't mentioned the first three. He had mentioned the ones that referred to your neighbor. So he had to give away everything that he had. So yeah, it, it demands a suffering, a, a giving up of the things of this worth, world. It demands that we be poor in spirit. How has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? The letter of James says in chapter 2, 5. You know, it's funny how people look down on the poor. And, and they say, well, poor people are poor just because they're lazy. You know, that's not true. That's not true at all. And when God blesses us with material things, he's done that so that we can share those with those who don't have enough. Well, you know, it's funny. One of the things that, you know, the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven, well, who else will inherit? The obedient. What did Jesus teach us? What was his example? He said, I did not come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father. So it's not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, that will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. So, <clears throat> and it also belongs to the persecuted. That was in Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who suffer persecution for the sake of, the, of justice. It belongs to the simple and the humble of heart. Unless you are converted and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 3. And now the big one, right? The repentant. What did I say? What was that word? Oh, we have to say we're sorry for our sins? Repent. The first word of the gospel is repent and believe the good news. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, the thief says to Jesus on the cross. But remember something. Before he said, Lord, remember me, what does he do? He confesses his sin. He says to the other thief who's mm-hmm. still ridiculing Jesus, you know, the good, the good thief had ridiculed Jesus at first, and finally he recognizes that there's something really different about this man. And, and so then he finally says, I'm only paying the price for the crimes that I committed. Mm-hmm. This man has done no wrong. So he confesses his own sins, confesses Jesus' innocence. He's repentant. And then he says, Lord, remember me so repent of your sins and jesus gave him paradise that day so we want you know we have to be pure we need to ask the lord to be pure in soul so that we can desire if our souls are not pure we're not going to want the kingdom to come that's true because nothing unclean can enter into the kingdom and we're not going to be attracted by it because we're not going to be tra- we're not going to be attracted by being poor in spirit, obedient, or being persecuted, or being simple, or humble, or repentant, if we're not pure in heart. And so, um, you know, it's interesting, because repentance is, been, we've been told by the saints, is the back door, as it were, to, 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 to heaven. And, and and they mean by that, that, you know, if you're, if you're on your way to heaven, and you've gained a lot of virtue and a lot of merit, and you commit a single mortal sin, you lose everything. You lose all your merit, you learned all, all the virtues that you've gained, everything, boom, you're done. So you confess your sin. Where are you restored? Are you restored? Do you have to start all over from the beginning now and, and just begin all over again? Um, are you restored to the place you were when you fell? Or is it possible that you could be beyond that? And St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us, and remember when I when you quote the saints, the saints base their teachings on the teachings of the church and on the gospels and on the, you know what scripture teaches it's there in scripture the st Saint, st Saint thomas said it depends on the purity and the in, and the intensity of your contrition so pray for a pure contrition and an intense contrition for your sins so that god's kingdom can really be established each one of us can be established in us we want to pray for that purity and intensity of contrition so that the, the kingdom will be established in us we want God's kingdom to be established in us. You know, it, it's funny. It's not, people talk about social sin.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Social sin is just, it's a collection of, of a lot of people's sins, right? It's when, it's when a society as a whole, when individuals within a society are no longer willing to take responsibility for their own individual actions, and they're, they're willing to just let the state take over and blame everything on the state. No, we each need to take responsibility. It's not the state's responsibility to take care of the poor. It's the individual responsibility. Does that mean I have to take care of every beggar I run into? No. But I need to do what I can for those that I can do something for. So we want to remember that there's a challenge for the kingdom of heaven. And we can meet that challenge and we can grow in God's grace and mercy. So God's kingdom is ours for the asking. Are we asking for it? Do we desire it? Are we longing for it? <clears throat> Excuse me. So we ask the Holy Spirit to be <clears throat> active in us. The Holy Spirit came to complete the work of Jesus, as it were, and the Holy Spirit um, is the soul of the church. Okay, and the church is the mystical body of Christ. And the church, by the way, is the kingdom of God on earth. There was a saying at one point, um, I believe at the turn of the 20th century, there was a Catholic priest who had lost his faith and he made some comment about, well, Jesus preached the kingdom and we got the church. Well, no, actually the kingdom of God on earth is the church. So the church is the kingdom of God on earth and the Holy Spirit is the spirit. He's the, the soul of the church. And so... St. Gregory of Nyssa tells us, thy Holy Spirit come to us and cleanse us. And he tells us that the coming of the Holy Spirit constitutes the kingdom of God. And in fact, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. So God thirsts that we will thirst for him. Do we thirst for God? Do we long for the coming of his kingdom? What Do we desire God? Not only be sanctified in us, but also that he dwell and reign within us. And do we want to participate in his sovereignty and in his holiness? We should desire the perfect reign of God in us for the sake of his pure love. He has appointed us to live for the praise of his glory. And for our sake, we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God through and St. Saint, um, Saint Thomas Aquinas teaches us that through this position, thy kingdom come, we learn to love ourselves in God. And um, Matthias Shaben, again, Father, quoted from him, and he talks about if we only knew the treasure that we have within us, do we esteem ourselves? Do we realize as Christian souls, what is the treasure that we have because we have been given grace, that God's kingdom is within us? okay. Do you know that we're admired by the angels because God has given us his grace and his kingdom is within us? If only we knew ourselves, we are a lovely paradise of our creator. We are a splendid tabernacle of the Holy Trinity. We are a beautiful bridal chamber of the heavenly king. If we only knew ourselves, we are a golden ark of the covenant, not of the old, but of the new covenant, an altar of divine majesty, treasury of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, temple of the living God, if we only knew ourselves, throne of divinity, broad heaven in which glitters resplendently, not material stars, but the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God himself. Oh, if we only knew ourselves, how highly we would prize ourselves, not for that which we are and of ourselves, but rather on account of the dignity that the grace brings to us, the grace that God has given us in, his, in, in the sacraments. How we would hold ourselves in grace and honor and guard ourselves against its loss. Rightly do we praise Saint Francis of Rome, who always saw an angel beside of her as a companion. How we should marvel in the archangels and the thrones, yes, if all the blessed spirits would stand beside and encircle a man. But what is it that in comparison with the com- what is that in comparison with the company of God? Even if you had all the angels surrounded you, what would that be if God wasn't with you? Mm. But God is with us because God has given himself to us who is united with every soul that possesses sanctifying grace. So by sanctifying grace, we are all of this and more. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers and learning about God's kingdom coming in us. We'll be back in a few minutes. And we have the Adoramus Conference here at the chapel this weekend.
1: Help. Help the helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador, with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased, the work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. How does the baby you can call us move in your at tummy. How does the baby eat? How did
2: the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before.
1: realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. My wife has been sharing with you from Father William Wagner's Lenten meditation from the Opus Angelorum I made a promise 45 Minutes ago that we'd also Share some Fulton Sheen with you So for those who are still listening I make my promise faithful here it comes He says uh, That when our Lord taught us The Our Father He made the third petition A prayer that God's kingdom Which is the kingdom of saints Might come Now in his own Last prayer He addressed the saintless of the creatures, Mary, his mother, and John, the beloved disciple. He was dying on the cross. Picture this, everybody. Dying on the cross for no other reason than to make us saints. Mm -hmm. I love that. And to be a saint means to be fixed in goodness. The saintliest creatures God ever made was his mother and his divine son, For she was not only full of grace, but co-redeemer with her son, now suspended above her head. Picture Mary down there looking up at Jesus on the cross. When our Lord looked down to her and commended her to us in the person of St. John, saying, Behold thy mother, he was equivalently saying to us, If you wish to be holy behold thy mother you see how important mary is to salvation if you really wish that my kingdom will come then behold thy mother mm-hmm. if you will to be rooted in goodness and be perfect that mary mary you were just talking about being perfect as your heavenly father is perfect then behold thy mother mary's inseparable with christ beautiful mary yep our lord made no exceptions His mother was given to all, Mm -hmm. to those who sin, to those who mourn, to those who suffer. Here's what Bishop Sheen says. Are you a sinner? Yes, I'm a sinner. (laughs) Then go to Mary, Mary. for she knows something of the bitterness of your soul. Mary knows what it is for a soul to be without Jesus. During the three-day loss, she merited to become the refuge of sinners. You know, we have that title, Mary, Refuge of Sinners. She was meriting the honor anew at this very moment. She would never have been given to sinners had there been not a crucifixion. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. amen. There would have not been a crucifixion without sin. And there would have never been sin without a sinner. And where sinners are, there are we, Mary, therefore owes the dignity of her title to us as sinners. Isn't that a great meditation, everyone? Are you a sinner? Yes. Then hear her merciful son lift you from the despair with these words. Behold thy mother. Here comes the last paragraph or two. Here it comes. Behold your mother. Oh, my gosh. Are you a sinner? Have you lost a sweet child, a kind father, a loving mother? Absolutely. Then you have lost only part of what you had. But Mary lost everything, for she lost God. To you who mourn, behold thy mother. Very consoling words. Last paragraph, everybody. In these moments of unbound grief, when you were oppressed by your sins, dripping tears from a wounded or broken heart, Mm -hmm. when you are sick or when you have the hunger after what you have not, when holiness seems such a distant goal Mm -hmm. and heaven so far away, then say to Mary, remember Jesus said to thee concerning me, as wicked as I am, woman, behold thy son. All right, you got Bishop Sheen's meditation. Back to you, Mary. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's a, yeah. he's powerful. Beautiful,
2: Mary, and and of course she is the exemplar of the kingdom coming, isn't she? She's yes, she, yes. She was. She is the ark of the, the new covenant. The ark of the new
1: covenant. That's she, where I was going.
2: she is the one who says yes to God. Let it be done to me, mm-hmm. and so makes it possible for the kingdom to come. Without Mary, there is no Jesus.
1: We used to have our t-shirt no Mary no Jesus you know no K N O W right and and that's why I like to share that with our Protestant brothers because they're missing the fullness of the gospel when you don't have Mary
2: right Mary is the, and she is you know she's she's the one who who shows us how that how that living union with God to do the will of God to allow God to Amen. work in and through us to accomplish his purpose even in the midst of suffering and yes mm-hmm. she suffered Mary's life had great suffering in it. Seven Sorrows of Our Lady. You can look it up. There's a chaplet to the Seven Sorrows, right. and it, it's a beautiful. And we have the angels to help us also, mm-hmm. and that's the kingdom is not just. You know, sometimes we get law and we think the church is just what we can see visibly here on earth, but the church is much bigger than that because you have the whole church in heaven, and you have the the suffering souls in purgatory, and you have we are the church militant here on earth, and we're militant because. We're supposed to be actively spreading the kingdom of God, to be teaching people that if you live according to what God commands, if you live in the state of grace and live according to God's law, then we can build a world where there isn't so much strife, where there isn't so much. Someone was telling me recently, there's a, and I wish I could remember the name of the priest, but a priest who grew up in Shreveport, mm. Louisiana, and then he went, he grew up and he moved away. But then when he became a priest, he went back there. And when he came back, the place was a ghetto. It was ridden with gangs and mm-hmm. violence and fear and, and distrust. And so father came and he said, I, we gotta do something to pull, this, pull these people out of this. So he went out and started knocking on doors. Mm. And he knocked on doors and he said, do you wanna be my friend? Catholic priest standing at your door saying, you wanna be my friend? He's like, what are you talking about? Well, the kids did. And he said, look, I'll play football with you. I'll play mm-hmm. basketball with you. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, whatever. And so he started playing. And then because he was playing with the kids, the parents started coming around. And so the parents got to know them. And and what what happened was a community that had been just closed in on itself because of the violence around it and the gangs, all of a sudden the people started coming together and helping, and fathers started helping them network with one another so that they could help each other out. And so now instead of tearing the community apart, the community was being built up this is and it's it's a microcosm, as it were, this is how the kingdom of God is built up. He introduces them to Christ in his own person by serving them, and then he builds up the kingdom by by getting them to work together and to pray together and to come together to to build a better life for everybody and this is what the kingdom isn't about removing all suffering in this world it's not about making everybody wealthy. it's not about taking everything from the rich and giving it to the poor. The kingdom of God is about. Living in union with God right here and now and serving those who come across my path, who need service, being willing to serve and everybody can serve. Even the poorest can serve. We can help each other out. And so this priest in Shreveport turned the whole community around. Now, this is all hearsay on my part. Someone told me this story and I believe it's true. But it's it's a beautiful story, and this does happen. It happens all the time. We get one person in the community who says, look, yeah, we're all having a hard time, but you know what? Let's work together and see if we can't make it a little better for everybody. And the angels are there encouraging us. The angels are around us. They're encouraging us to do this, to bring Christ to others by serving him, not necessarily by preaching the gospel overtly, but by showing them, as, as Mother Teresa the prayer that she, she used to pray, Radiating Christ, which she got from John Henry Cardinal Newman, St. John Henry Newman, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, Lord, may my life be a fragrance of yours. Mm-hmm. Live in me and shine through me so to shine that others will see the light, Lord. But the light will be all from you, Jesus. None of it will be me. And help me to serve you th- th- thus in the way you love best. Not by preaching but by my example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do for others. And this is the building of the kingdom and praying for one another, living in the state of grace, encouraging our friends and family members to to live in the state of grace, to go to mass, to Mm -hmm. go to confession on a frequent and regular basis, and to make an examination of conscience every day. And just being Christ to those around us you know, sometimes when people make mistakes, we really want to just point out to them, well, you're really screwed up, and you deserve the mess you're living in. Maybe, is that what Jesus said? Is that what he said to sinners? It's not what he said to the hypocrites? Yeah, the hypocrites. I mean, if you're being a hypocrite, and you're you're hardened in your heart, he, he knew that. But we don't know the heart of a man. So we shouldn't be going around telling people that they deserve what they got. It's like, you know, yeah, your your actions have consequences, but we're here to try and be there as a Christian community to support you and to help you to, to look for a better future right here on this earth, but a better future in heaven. You know, it's interesting. The thief on the cross. What if he had despaired? What if what if Dismas had despaired like the other thief and said, well, what, what difference does it make? I'm dying. I live my life as a thief. You know, there's nothing I can do. But no, he didn't. He reached out to Christ in hope. And again, who was standing there at the foot of the cross praying for him, I'm sure? Mm. Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary was there. And, and he was close to Mary because he was hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And, and he accepted her motherhood. He accepted Jesus's kingship over him. And he said, Lord, remember me. So it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. You know, Jesus Christ can save. And people do change every day. The grace of God does change people. I think we've lost our hope in this. I think we've lost some of our hope in our modern world. We say, oh, well, oh, well, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You know, once a thief, always a thief. There's no hope for, wait a minute, we're Christians. We believe in the transforming power of the word of Christ. And it's interesting. Father William, at the end of um, his newsletter, he wrote a story about the little shepherd and the thief. And this little shepherd, this is Bethlehem, and it's the night of the, and the little shepherd had seen the angels, and he wants to go, and he wants to give Jesus a present. So he brings his little woolen blanket, and he brings his little cheese and his goat's milk, and that's this is all he has. So he's going, and he's running there, and he goes through a village, and as he goes through a village, he hears this woman crying and wailing in the door of her house, and she says, my child is going to freeze to death, because I have nothing to keep him warm. So the little shepherd just, without even hardly thinking about, it, gives the woolen blanket, his woolen blanket that was supposed to keep him warm, he gives to the mother and said, here, your child will be warm. Mm-hmm. And then he's going through a woods and a thief demands the food from him. And so he gives, and then he tells the thief that he was going to visit a royal family and now he'll have nothing for them. And the thief thinks, oh, wow, royal family. So he goes with them. And the thief comes and he sees Jesus, Mary and Joseph in the stable and he's converted. And Joseph says, the little shepherd says, I have nothing to give. And Joseph says, but you brought the thief. And the thief is like, you mean I, he'll accept me. The little king will accept me and he'll forgive me. And Joseph said, yes. And and the thief said, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? And he said, well, ask the little shepherd if you can go back and be a shepherd with him. And the little shepherd said, yes, I'll accept you. And so the thief goes back to be a shepherd and he's, he's truly repented. He's truly given up his life of sin, because he's accepted Christ. And we all need to believe that that can really happen, and we need to pray for one another that we will. And this is how we will build the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy kingdom come. So I hope you enjoyed this Bible study on Bible with the Barbers, on the Our Father, Thy kingdom come.
1: God bless you.
2: I didn't know. Oh, my Jesus. I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit and give power to the words of priests so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio Sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.